folks have thoroughly enjoyed uh, this series. Now, this is the last sermon in this series. Uh, next week will be one off, and then we'll begin our Christmas series. Um, so we want to welcome you to New Life today. Okay, Ken's coming in. I mentioned him in the first service. Uh, you can talk to him. When I mentioned him in this service, you can talk to him afterward to confirm what I say about Ken, about his situation in uh, Burkina Faso. Faso. Okay, we're glad that you're here. Uh, let me say, if you've missed any weeks, um, you can always go to the website and uh, you can listen to the audio of any sermons that you may have missed. But today, uh, we're going to talk about uh, being persecuted. Now, that's not a very positive subject. And, and it does relate uh, to uh, the passage that I read at the beginning, tried to read, at the beginning of the service. Um, and so you'll, you'll see the connection here a little bit later. Um, there, there are many homes today uh, where people would say that their home is not truly blessed. Um, many people would not say that they have a blessed marriage or that their kids are blessed. Uh, and so what we're doing is we're asking God to teach us to live according to his word so that he will bless our homes. Uh, we are advocating that we have not just a Christian home, but a Christ-centered home or family. Now, what's the difference? Well, um, Unfortunately, today the word Christian doesn't really mean what it meant uh, in earlier times, especially Bible times. Uh, the vast majority of people today who call themselves Christians uh, are in fact what I would call uh, cultural Christians, uh, in other words, Christians in name only. And if you were to analyze their families uh, you would come to the conclusion that, eh, I don't know, you know, if, if they are Christ-centered uh, or not. Jesus wants us um, to have him be the center of our lives and not just a part of our lives. Uh, most people will give Jesus a little part of their lives, but he wants to be the center of our lives. Uh, he wants our homes to be Christ-centered, not just a Christian home. Uh, Jesus doesn't want to be a, just a convenient part of our lives, you know, the guy that we call on when we are in a crisis. Um, and, you know, we, so we go to church on uh, Christmas and Easter and whenever we feel like it. Um, he, he wants to be the focus. He wants to be the center of our lives. If Jesus is truly the center of our lives, there will be evidence to those who look on, those who are around us. Um, if Jesus is the center of our lives, then our values will be different. Uh, the way we raise our children will be different. Uh, the way we use our resources, our financial resources, will be different. Uh, you know, how we spend our time and money, all this will be different. The way we treat people will be different because Jesus isn't just a part of our lives. He actually is our life. 
We are Christ-centered in all that we do. So if ours is a Christ-centered family, now here's where we're not real positive. We will be persecuted. Now that's not something that we look forward to. And uh, some, some of you may, may be thinking, oh, wow, I came to church today to hear that I'm going to be persecuted. Uh, not, not the thing, the sort of thing that you want to hear. Um, if you are a Christ-centered family, then you need to understand that people will mock you. Um, they will make fun of you. They will ridicule you. And even worse... Uh, simply because you are Christ-centered, they will persecute you in, in a number of different ways. Now, in week one, um, we looked at Jesus' beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, uh, for they will see God. If you're trying to, to live uh, a life with a pure heart in a world that idolizes impurity, um, then people are going to mock you. In week two, we considered blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uh, for they will be filled. If you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness in an unrighteous world, people are going to laugh at you and mock you. Week three, last week, Craig uh, preached on Jesus' beatitude, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. So if someone strikes you on one cheek, you're to turn the other cheek. Um, if, if you go the extra mile, if you forgive uh, that which seems unforgivable, then the world will say you're weird. Um, you know, you're, you're a doormat. And they'll say that's stupid. Uh, you know, what's wrong with you? And so people will mock you and we're not just talking about preachers here. You know, sometimes we think there's two different levels. You know, you've got the average Christian here, and you've got preachers up here. But there are not two levels. We're all, we're all the same. We're all in the, same, in the same category. In Matthew chapter 5, our text for today, beginning with verse 10, the scripture says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, speaking of persecution, the very first illustration that we have in the Bible uh, involves Cain and Abel. Now, it wasn't because Abel was preaching to Cain um, that he got upset and took his brother's life. Um, actually, uh, Abel was living the right way. He wasn't preaching the right thing. He was living the right way. He was doing the right thing before God, and Cain wasn't. So Cain's own sin convicted him. Now, He's angry and perhaps mad at himself, but he lashed out and killed his own brother. Not because his brother did anything wrong, but because uh, his brother did everything right. And so he was convicted by right living. Now, I don't know what the scenario will be for you, 
But when you are a Christ-centered family, you will have different values. Uh, you know, maybe you're a teenager or a young adult, and so you think, I'm going to honor God uh, with sexual purity. Now, a lot of people don't even think that nowadays, and some of you maybe have never even heard of this. Uh, but, you know, I'm not going to have sex until I'm married out of respect for God and his commandment. You know, so I'm going to honor God in that way. And your friends respond, well, you know, you're an idiot. That's stupid. You know, why would you give that up? Uh, and so they'll make fun of you. So the scripture says, blessed are you when people persecute you for righteousness' sake. Uh, maybe you're not going to certain movies that all your friends are going to, and so um, they ask why, and uh, so, you know, your response is because there's a little bit of poop in the brownies. Now, how many of you heard that expression? Okay, not very many. Okay, well, you, you listen carefully. Um, this is when, when a little bit of wrong slips in, and, uh, you know, this happens a lot. You know, a lot of you are on Facebook, and a little bit of poop gets into the brownies when you get on Facebook because you're saying things on Facebook that you shouldn't say, that don't reflect the nature and character of Jesus, who you represent. And so it's, it's that way with a lot of things in life. Um, so any, anyway, I, I'm sorry you haven't heard that expression before, and I hope it's not offensive <laughs> Uh, to anybody. Okay. Maybe you're so crazy that you say, um, well, you know, we're, we're not going to put our child in this particular sports league uh, because they play their games on Sunday morning uh, when church is going on. And so your friend asks, you know, how can you put church in front of your four-year-old's future? Well, better question is, maybe church is a better investment uh, in your four-year-old's future. Um, so how about that? Maybe you're seeking God, trying to serve him, but things aren't going quite right in your life. You know, it seems like you're, you're having a lot of difficulties. And so people will ask, okay, where's your God now? Why, why are you having all these problems in your life? And um, you recognize that things may not be going right in your life, uh, but it's not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're doing what's right. And there is always spiritual opposition when we try to do that which is right. The devil's not happy when you do good things. The devil's not happy uh, when, when you obey God and when you live for him. If yours is a Christ-centered family, you will be persecuted for your faith. Okay, so here's the big overriding question in today's study. How do we prepare our family for persecution? If it's going to come, if it is inevitable, if Jesus says it is going to happen, how do we prepare our family? Um, so we need to give them roots in their faith 
in Christ so that they can handle this inevitable persecution that will come. Okay, number one, we need to teach our family to expect persecution. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, the Apostle Paul writes, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, it's, it's not a matter of is it going to happen or is it not going to happen. He's saying if you want to live the godly life in Jesus, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. Uh, if your family is Jesus-centered, in some way, you will be different. And people won't understand, non-Christian people, they won't understand why you're different. And so they will criticize you. You won't be different like everybody else is. Uh, you'll be different in your unique way because you are seeking to please God and, and you're hearing from him how he would lead you to follow him. For example, let's say God may call you to homeschool your kids. Now, I'm not necessarily an advocate of homeschooling. I'm using this for the sake of illustration, okay? Um, I think it's fine if you choose to do that. Uh, some of you may not choose to do that, and that's fine. Some of you may choose to send your kids to a Christian school, some of you may choose to send your kids to public school. I think all that's between you and God, okay? But this is just for the sake of illustration. And so people are going to say, if you make that decision, they're going to ask, uh, are they going to be able to read? Um, they're going to ask, or they're going to make the statement, they're going to be weird because they're homeschooled. Um, they're going to wear their hair in buns. They're going to wear denim skirts and grow up to make their own butter. You don't want to homeschool your kids. Well, when people say things like that, that's a form of persecution. Um, so they end up, your kids do, looking good in denim. And the butter's delicious. Now, you know, I don't know exactly what it's going to be for you and your family. Uh, it can be something, you know, completely different. But I want you to see uh, how, how this works. Uh, the world's going to make fun of you. And it may be at Thanksgiving dinner uh, and people are making little jabs at you uh, because you want to pray over your meal. Well, it might not be Thanksgiving dinner. It might just be in a restaurant any day of the week. Uh, they may not invite you to certain parties because you, like your pastor, ruin keg parties. Uh, they may make fun of you when you're doing your Bible study at school, those of you who are in school. Um, or they may make fun of you because you dress modestly when they dress like they're going to work on the street corner. Whatever form it takes... If people make fun of you, expect it because it is a part of following Christ. I advise you to introduce your children to small, controlled doses of persecution. Teach your children from a young age 
that as followers of Jesus, they will be persecuted. Now, many Christ-centered families have given up the celebration of Halloween. After researching the origins and meaning behind Halloween, they decided it, if they seriously wanted to be a Christ-centered family, they couldn't celebrate the holiday. There is certainly nothing wrong with kids dressing up, knocking on doors, getting free candy. But if you do the research about the origins and meaning behind Halloween, you may decide that it's not for a Christ-centered family. So now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you have to give it up. Uh, that's entirely your decision. That's between you and God. But the bottom line is that we're building into our kids that sometimes we choose to be different because in a Christ-centered home, we always want to do that which is better. So what we're trying to do is plant the value in our children that we're willing to be different, even if it means that we will be persecuted in some way because of it. Whatever that looks like and whatever God convicts you to do, teach your kids early. Uh, we expect to be ridiculed when we're Christ-centered. People will make fun of us. Persecution has been relatively light in America, but it is increasing every day. And all you have to do is look at the newspaper, the television, or the Internet, follow news lines, and you'll see that it's, that it's happening gradually here in our country. As hostility grows toward Christianity and the values of Jesus, you'd better learn to stand strong and teach your children to stand strong because the heat is actually going to increase. Your children need to have their roots planted deeply because they too will be persecuted. John chapter 15, beginning with verse 18. These are the words of Jesus. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. Okay, so secondly, we need to teach our family to endure persecution. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12, we work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. Now, what do we not do? Well, we don't whine, we don't cry, or gripe about it. A lot of people do, but, you know, we don't do that. You know, people say, oh, this isn't fair. My friend defriended me on Facebook because I'm a Christian. I just can't take any more. Boo-hoo. You know, we don't do that. We endure it. May I remind you 
that the persecution that we endure in this country is incredibly light compared to what goes on around the world. People in many parts of the world are disowned by their families when they become Christians. Isn't that right, Ken Hoke? That's a problem that he faces in Burkina Faso. Um, he probably has enough people that believe in Jesus that he could have a substantial congregation, but they won't make a decision to stand up for Christ publicly because of being disowned uh, by their family. So you can talk to him, ask him about that uh, following the service. Raise your hand, Ken, so everybody can see where you are and who you are. Okay, Ken can tell you all about that. And so, in, you know, in other places, um, it, they'll, they'll cut your tongue out if you accept Jesus. They'll cut one of your ears off. They'll make um, a physical mark on you in some way to identify the fact that, you know, you've named the name of Christ. And there are parts of the world where people lose their lives because of their decision to become Christians. When someone makes fun of you because you're going on a mission trip uh, during your spring break, instead of partying, endure it. Take it like a man or woman of God. Uh, when people make fun of you because you have different values, just take it. Endure it with a smile on your face. When God calls you to do something different, uh, let's say to get out of debt. You know, there's a lot of people in debt today, so they're enslaved um, because of, you know, financial reasons. And, you know, you want to out, get out of bondage, so you drive an old car, um, and, and people make fun of you because you drive an old car, uh, or, or you live in a smaller house and they laugh at you and say, hey, why don't you come over here and move into our subdivision? We, you know, we have some really nice houses over here. Uh, you can just say, well, we're broke and loving it. Endure it, you know, because you're a follower of Jesus. And when you do, it's amazing what happens. God works a special work inside of you when you're willing to take that stand. When you endure persecution, your spiritual roots grow deeper. In fact, when you endure persecution, your intimacy with Jesus increases and your spiritual resolve is strengthened. In my senior year of Bible college in 1972, okay, you can do the math and figure out how old I am, um, but I planted a church that was that year, my senior year, uh, that was 60 miles away from the college uh, in my spare time. Now, I didn't have any financial support, um, you know, out, outside of myself and what I could do. So I worked a job at Coleman Furniture Company in Pulaski, Virginia, as an inventory control clerk. I did that to support myself after I graduated um, in 1973. One of the company supervisors who incidentally was a member of the non-instrumental Church of Christ took a liking to me and he was leaving the furniture company uh, to become the assistant manager 
of a new W.T. Grants department store. Now, you have to be my age or older to remember W.T. Grants department stores. Well, anyway, they were building a new one in Radford, and he invited me uh, to become the warehouse manager, uh, which was, you know, quite an improvement over what I was doing. So I accepted the job. Well, it wasn't long until he asked me to work on Sunday morning. Now, he knew I was a pastor. He knew I'd started a new church uh, in Radford. And he should have had the same convictions that I had uh, about uh, putting God first and worshiping on the Lord's Day. Uh, but he put me on the spot. So he said, well, you know, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to church on Sunday morning. And, you know, he looked at me with this strange look like I had just said, I'm cutting my head off just for the fun of it. Or why would you do something so stupid? And he told me, he said, well, you know, the store manager was thinking that, you know, you would be a really good candidate to go into uh, management training for W.T. Grant. And so looking back, I can tell you where that would have taken me because they went belly up. So he fired me. Well, but the Christian churches in the area um, picked up my financial support, so God honored me by sticking to my conviction to put him first. And, and I have to tell you, this decision and seeing God's response afterward uh, deepened my faith in Christ. It helped me also to understand that I wasn't living for the approval of others, but I was living for the approval of God, and it did something inside of me. God absolutely took care of me. Actually, the lack of persecution is a spiritual disadvantage for us. Now, some of you are going to think that's a strange statement, but it's not good for us to not have any persecution. And if you don't have any persecution, in your life, then it probably means that you're not taking much of a stand for Jesus. Throughout history, whenever the church was persecuted, guess what? The church became stronger. Faith, passion, and boldness are strengthened in those who are truly Christ-centered, and they become more effective in the Christian lives that they live. Plus, persecution weeds out those who are not genuinely convicted. Uh, you know, if you stand a chance, if you're caught attending worship service and it's against the law and your life is going to be taken, you know, death penalty, you're not going to be found dead in church. You know, you're not going to go. You're not going to take it. You're not going to risk it. Um, and so it filtered out all the people who were half-hearted and weren't truly convicted and so all the people that were left were really strong in the faith. And whenever people are strong and passionate about Christ and about the church, then the church flourishes. Where family identity is strong, and that's spiritual as well as physical, peer pressure is weak. But the opposite is also true. Wherever peer pressure 
is strong, then family identity is weak. Parents, this is extremely important to understand and practice as you rear your children. Genuine Christians have a deep-grounded spiritual identity. We are Christ followers. We will be persecuted. We're on a mission. Uh, we have a higher calling. We have a, an identity. We have a purpose. Do you know that by far the majority of people live their entire lives and get to the end and d never discover what their purpose is in life? They can't tell you on their deathbed. They can't tell you why, why they're here, what their purpose was. Now, that's a shame. We need to understand our purpose, and we, we have a purpose identified in Christ. And, you know, we have higher values, all of which lessen the impact that persecution has on us. Uh, we're going to be persecuted, expect it. Uh, we thank God that we get to suffer in some small way, like his son Jesus. Okay, number three, we need to teach our family to embrace persecution. Peter was talking to Christians. Uh, I'm going to share a, a passage with you that I read hundreds of times, and I, I didn't understand it for years until I got into a commentary and read the background, what was going on that led to Peter writing these verses. So I'm going to tell you what the background was, and then I'll read the verses. Peter was talking to Christians who were being persecuted beyond anything that we can imagine. The persecutors took Christians who would not renounce the name of Jesus put them in the center of the Colosseum, and then turned loose hungry lions to devour them. And so, you know, they didn't put them all in at the same time. They, they put them in in bunches. And so uh, there would be some standing in line waiting for, the, you know, for their turn. And so this is, this is the scenario that these people were facing. And in this scenario, Peter wrote these verses. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. Okay, we've read all of these uh, warnings that, hey, persecution's going to come. It's inevitable. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. When your friends make fun of you at lunch because you pray over your food, praise God. Praise God that you wear the name of Jesus. When everybody's going to a strip club to get plastered, and enjoy sensual pleasures on Friday night, but you refuse to go because you want to remain sober and you want to treat women respectfully, praise God that you want to remain Christ-like. Blessed are you when people make fun of you because you walk away from a business deal that 
it's really lucrative, but you realize it's unethical. In business, you know, everybody fudges here and there, but you don't because of your commitment to Christ. Matthew 5, verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. Which do you want to go to? Heaven or hell? It's your choice. If you're a Christ-centered family, you will be persecuted for righteousness' sake. Don't worry when you are persecuted. Worry when you are not persecuted. What are you all about? Going to the game? To the lake? Granite countertops? Vacations? Or are you about Jesus? His kingdom? His purpose? Glory? Making a difference in this world? None of these things are wrong in and of themselves that I mentioned, first of all, but there's got to be a balance in our lives. When you are about Jesus, you will be persecuted. Are you a cultural Christian or are you Christ-centered? Are you a Christian in name only? You need Jesus even if you are currently far from him. He gave his life for you. Give your life to him. You believe in God? That's great. Is there any evidence that you know him? Can people see it in your life? Be conformed to the image of Jesus. Guys, be a better spiritual leader for your family. Women, be a better mo mom for your children. All of us, let's be better witnesses to our friends and our neighbors for the sake of Jesus Christ. We're going to stand, sing our song of decision. If you need to make a decision today to accept Jesus, step out, come forward, do that now. Um, if, if you don't have a church home, we'd love to have you as a part of our family. Um, whatever you need, won't you respond as we stand and sing?